What's up, man? Hey, Ben. How are you? Uh, I am wonderful. It's uh, it's good to see you this evening. Have you? Uh, it's great to see you too. How's the weather over there in Kingsport? It's beautiful. Just got back from a little walk after work, and uh, it was just a great night. You know, hope to take a little bike ride maybe after the show, and you know, chill out a little bit. Uh, long day, very good day, busy day. Um, so how was your day? Uh, it was it was great. Um, I got a, a a little bit of a walk uh, prior to uh, prior to jumping on here, which was nice. It's such a beautiful time in East Tennessee for all the people who um, who live in our area. It's it's one of my favorite times of the year. Um, everything everything in the office uh, went well this morning. Oh, it was great. You know, uh, had a great day. Saw a lot of good patients and always good patients and. It's really like just talking to friends all day that you're trying to guide them on that health journey and uh, enjoy every minute of it. Um, matter of fact, I want to show you something that I had a great patient that came in today. His name's Anthony, and he brought me, he knows I love guitar, and he brought me, he makes his own picks. Oh, nice. He hand makes these picks. You see this one? Yeah. That, Is that one's it, made out of, that's a pick guitar pick and this one look at this one look how thick this thing is can you see that yeah i can see that jeez thick, it's the thickest guitar pick it's made of teflon what's the it has holes into it we can grip it better but yeah they're just fantastic he's brought me some before but um, if you like guitar picks that are very unique he hand makes these things it's an ace performance picks that's awesome i like that because um performance you know performance medicine so um oh, I, so that's what i may do tonight instead of riding my bike i may just start playing you know i love that huge shout out to ace performance picks um those look incredible hey, i've never seen um i've never seen a pick uh that thick is it for just so you can um grip it better um yeah um i guess it is this is i think the thick one's more for bass notes and if you maybe a bass guitar or something, but this thin one I like because they have holes in them, so I can grip them. You know, picks tend to fly out of your hands if you start going crazy on it, like I do with rock and everything. You know, just going crazy like Pete Towns, you know, with the windmill stuff on my on my Strat, and then the pick goes flying off into the audience. You know, things like that that happen in performance, but. If anybody would know, you would know just about the, you know, the, the struggles that, that, that come with a, a live show. Um, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> then I usually wake up and my dream's over, but um, uh, look, I still I, toil by practicing on the guitar. It so, actually relaxes me. So Anthony is saying is less strain to hold a thick pick. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, great. Uh, less strain. Yeah. So I, that, that makes a, that makes total sense actually. Yeah. Uh, thanks for, uh, that's cool. That's super yeah, cool. It's really neat. Thank you so much. Uh, shout out that's to Anthony awesome. and, uh, Ace performance <clears throat> picks. I'm going to put, um, uh, D lens comment. I bought the book fast feast repeat. It just came in yesterday. So I haven't started yet. That's awesome. It's one of our favorites. Uh, as, as you know, we've been talking a lot about fasting. Yeah. It's really good by Jan Stevens. She really, uh, takes it on a pretty good level and it's easy to understand. And I really like that book. Um, that's probably when I started doing the intermittent fasting. Um, 
it's really helped me out a lot. And I feel better when I'm fasting. Um, I feel better when I'm eating out of a fast. So um, I really enjoy that. Out of curiosity, yeah. do you tend to kind of like gorge yourself right after a fast? Like, no, uh, no, no. No, I don't. You don't want to do that. That's one thing you try to avoid. But um, I think it really, most people don't do that because their stomach tends to shrink a little bit or get smaller when you're not stinning it with food all the time. <clears throat> As you know, we're meant we're not meant to graze. We're meant to to fast and feast. Mm. So um, that's a good philosophy for for most people. Maybe not for everybody, but um, you know, it's. Uh, it's just really interesting. I'm going to have a do a podcast next week, I think, on grains. There's a lot of misconceptions about grains and um, whole grains. You know, we're taught to eat more whole grains. Really, that may not be the best advice in the world. So we'll dive into that next week, probably during a podcast. I'm I'm excited mm -hmm. about that one because uh, I it's so funny. Like you see, you know things with grains in it and you automatically think it's, it's healthy. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you say about this, uh, to, to say the least. Um, we got some people in here, doc, what do you say? We, we jump into some questions. Yeah. Um, okay. and, uh, as I said before, guys, uh, welcome to the performance medicine show. This is where we answer your health and wellness questions. Uh, the first part of the show, we go over uh, questions that were brought in throughout the week, uh, whether that was through email or through Instagram, Facebook, any of our social channels. Uh, the second half, we're going to take live questions. So if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, um, go ahead and put that in the comments and we're going to get the, to those uh, in the second half of the show. We're going to go uh, around 45 to 50 minutes, uh, guys, give or take, and uh, answer as many questions as possible. Um, let's get to a vitamin D question. I had my vitamin D levels checked as I had been taking more since the start of COVID. My results was 117 NG over ML. Is that too high? What are optimal levels for a woman in her 40s? I love this question. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, it's a little bit on the high side. Um, I'd probably lower the amount of D you're taking um, just because you may have kidney stones if you get your D levels too high. Um, but, uh, my optimal level for about anybody is between 60 and 80, really more towards the 80 range. And remember, uh, you should, you should take D with K, uh, make sure you have vitamin K too in there with the D, um, especially if you're in your forties and, you know, anybody over 40, I always add the K in there, very heart protective, puts the calcium in your bones, helps the vitamin D do that. And, uh, but yeah, great question. Slap back off a little bit. Um, but but it'd be hard to get toxic, you know, on that level. And, and if I yeah. if remember correctly, your ideal is around uh, 60 to 80? Yeah. Yeah, 60 to 80, preferably around 80. All right. Let's get to uh, a hormone question have been using BHRT since March and have noticed spider veins on my leg that I did not have before. Could this be from the BHRT? How should I treat laser injections other? And uh, let's see if there's a, uh, there's not a follow-up to that. Yeah. I mean, typically I don't see that with uh, bioidentical hormone replacement. 
Um, I mean, but it's possible that it could have exacerbated a little bit if you had that predisposing venous insufficiency, which I'll explain. But since you could get a little fluid retention with um, estrogen or testosterone, um, sometimes I'll rarely see that in men on testosterone shots. They'll get a little edema around the lower extremities from testosterone. In that case, I usually switch them to a different form like a nanthate. But um, so it's possible. Make sure you check levels and that estrogen progesterone balance is right and you don't get your testosterone level too high um, because it potentially could. It's I just don't see that really. More than likely, um, you know, you have a little venous insufficiency uh, or leaky valves in your veins um, that cause um, leakage towards the surface that can manifest with spider veins. So, you know, when you get spider veins, these little tiny red veins, it's usually a sign that something is going on deeper than that. So what I like to do is um, talk to you about, uh, you know, if you're on your feet all day, if the swelling's at the end of the day after you've been on your feet, if it's normal in the morning and it, you get home and your feet are swollen or ankles, then, you know, it's, it's leaky valves. The, the way I explain this is that your blood has to be pumped from your heart to your toes. It's pumped out by a big muscle called your heart and through thick walled strong arteries. It gets to your feet, has to come back against gravity without the heart pump, except maybe your calf muscles provide a little bit of pump action to that return, but it's going against gravity through these thin, agile veins. Um, so it's kind of a tough system really so you have these valves in your veins, these one-way valves. When the blood goes up, they snap shut to prevent gravity making all your blood pull in your, in your feet. So these valves with age, weight, diet, a lot of things, being in a standing position all day without walking uh, can cause some of that venous insufficiency, leaky valve. So the answer is move. You develop your calf muscles, elevate your feet during the day, walk. Um, some people have to wear a support hose to keep that blood pushed up. Um, so you look at the cause first and you can get, a lot of times I'll order an ultrasound just to look at these valve functions to see if those valves are leaky. Um, and then as far as treatment, make sure number one, you don't have a lot of deep vein insufficiency. In that case, you may need something a little more definitive done like uh, radio frequency or laser ablation of your greater saphenous vein, uh, which is the main one that uh, kind of snakes around on the around your knee. And a lot of times when you get rid of it, it, it cures a lot of that. But um, and there's perforators that connect the superficial to the deep. It gets kind of extensive. Um, you know, I've done some vein work in, in years past, and I still do a lot of spider vein treatments. So if you don't have any real deep problems, then it turns into more of a cosmetic 
uh, spider vein, reticular vein, even varicose vein treatment. Um, so make sure it's not a deep problem. For the spider veins, I like to inject them with polydocanol. I do a lot of that in the office. Um, so the injections work really well. I don't tend to use saline much because it, if it gets outside the vessel, it really can across the skin. So I like polydocanol much less painful too. Um, so in laser, you know, we have, a, we have lasers. I don't find them to be as effective on the spider veins. I just don't like the laser treatment for spider veins. We do it. We have it. I rarely use it. I use injections. Plus laser hurts a lot more, I think. Um, so think about, um, seeing the root cause of the problem and then thinking about getting the, um, the spider veins injected. Uh, and so it's a, it's a pretty neat treatment. I, I like doing, I use the vein light and um, it works pretty well. That's and then wear some support hose if your legs keep swelling. It's a long answer, but um, I've worked a lot with veins through the years. And, well, it's, um, it's a great question. And, and I know uh, a lot of people um, have spider veins and, and don't necessarily what to do. So thank you for explaining it that way. I'm not sure I've heard you talk about the valve, uh, in that particular way. So thank you for, uh, for explaining that. Uh, let's get to some B B12 question. Uh, and this is a two parter. Uh, in July, my B12 level was 423. I added 500 milligrams of sublingual B12 a day. My multi has 300 milligrams, but I know you said that it is not absorbed well. This week, it was still uh, only up to 647, and I know you like it to be close to 1,000. Should I add another 500 milligrams a day, or does it just take more than two months to increase your level? Again, that's a B12 level. Yeah, you could certainly add 500 a day. It's not going to hurt you. I think it's absorbed better, either sublingually or better than that's an injection. Um, you know, that works the best. And a lot of it may depend on what form of B12 you're, you're adding to. I, I like methyl B12. Um, sometimes I even use other forms of B12 that are not methylated. Your body does the methylation, um, like uh, hydroxy. B12. Uh, so there's, there's other forms of that. And make sure your other B vitamins are okay as well. You know, if you're just taking one B vitamin, it tends to deplete your other one. So take a good multi uh, that has all the B vitamins in it or B complex vitamin, and you certainly pop your, um, you know, level up a little bit. It's a water soluble vitamin, so you're not going to overdose on it. Um, but yeah, pop it up a little bit and look at the other levels and make sure you're taking them as well. Um, and it seems like they're absorbed better orally than the B12, which is better sublingually, or, you know, you can even get a shot. Even some people do it just once a month, but, um, I do like B12 for energy. Um, my dad, who was a physician, as you know, uh, we talked about B12 one time and even though he was a surgeon, he knew a lot about medicine back then the old tommy docs they just knew a lot about overall medicine um and he told me there's three stages of my career that i would go through concerning b12 the first stage of my career i wouldn't give it to anybody because the only official indication is pernicious anemia a rare form of anemia uh, so that's really the only official indication the second stage of your career 
you will you'll give it to everybody because it works uh, for energy. Then the third stage of your career, where, where I am, you'll start taking it yourself. So I'm in stage three. So I, I definitely take B12. Uh, Methyl B12 because I do have that uh, MTHFR genotype that's not uh, that you need methylated uh, B12, not just cyanocobalamin. Uh, so, and that's what most B12 is is cyanocobalamin. It's dirt cheap, but it's not the best form. It's, uh, it's not the most bioavailable form of, of B12. So, I hope that helps you, but pump it up a little bit. I like that. I love that story. In case if you get real dragged out, stop in for a shot. Just tell them you want a B12 shot. And we have the methyl B12 uh, and shots in our office. So I love it. That anytime. Uh, and this is a side note. This came in the same email. On another note, I'm thankful that thanks to you, I actually knew to check this, <laughs> what my what my level should be and how important uh, a B12 level is. Sounds like uh, they're oh, at the same great. stage as, as you are in your uh, it's important. life it's important. with B12. Um, okay, important. let's get to, uh, this is a hemoglobin A1C question. I just rechecked my HA1C. In January, it was 5.7, now 5.5. I know 5.5 is optimal to the general population, but is that optimal in your opinion? It's normal, but I wouldn't say it's optimal. I really like to see a 5.3 or lower. Um, so you may want to, you know, congratulations, you're, you're making progress. Um, and that's definitely pretty good ju jump, you know, or lower. But, uh, yeah, watch, watch out for the spikes. I don't know if you're on medication or not. But, um, you know, when you get to about 5.8, that I start thinking pre-diabetes. Um when you get to 6.5, I'll start calling it diabetes. Um, but you might even want to get one of the continuous glucose monitors, like a Freestyle Libre, pop it on the back of your arm like I've done a few times just to see what different foods did to my um, sugar levels because, you know, you want to avoid those spikes. And your A1C is just a three-month measure, if you, you know, which is good, but even better is to prevent all those spikes from happening because that's when the damage done, the endothelial damage to your vessels. Um, so that's good, but, um, you know, watch your carbs. Um, you know, you may even, if you're a little bit insulin resistant, you may even add a little berberine in there. I think that's a good supplement. Works kind of like metformin without the stomach upset that metformin gives some people. So um, if you get to 5.3, better. So, but you're doing well. I love it. I love it. That's a great question there. 5.3 being optimal. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it for the questions that came in throughout the week. Uh, we're going to jump into the comments. So if you have a, uh, a question for Dr. Rogers, go ahead and put that in, in the comments and we're going to get to as many as we can. Um, let's see here. Uh, real quick. Um, Katie's wanting us to talk about, uh, the new product. What's this new product we got in the in the office? Oh, you're talking about the new CBD. Yeah, uh, yeah, the gummies. Yeah, that that's been really, really good. I've wanted to make my own CBD uh, gummies for a while. You know, kind of picked to my specifications. So um, we've got a really good uh, supplier that's been doing this for years. Just he's a big timer. 
uh, throughout the United States uh, with CBD is an absolute expert. I've been to the factory and kind of uh, like I've done with some of the vitamins, you know, I want to uh, make some combinations and things. So, yeah, I mean, they're pretty cool. There's going to be four different types uh, based on what you need them for, whether it's sleep, just relaxation, um, pain, and uh, another one's going to be, this the Delta 8. It's going to be really for just really chilling out, uh, you know, and just when you can't relax, anxiety really helps a lot. I've had, already had a lot, I've just gotten them in this week and I've already had a lot of great feedback on them. Um, so we have uh, two of them available right now. Um, and I think that the one with the Delta 8, which is kind of a legal way to get, a, you know, the full spectrum, even with some THC in there. That seems like the combination of the, the THC in there and the Delta 8, uh, which is completely legal, um, along with CBD is, is a really good combination to kind of act synergistically. So we're getting a lot of good feedback on that. Um, I really, you know, we've, we've, our bodies have had this endocannabinoid system in it and receptors for thousands of years. And, you know, a lot of times we don't take advantage of, you know, turning that system on to relax us, help with pain, help with sleep. Um, so it's a really good product. So you might want to look at that. I always tell people uh, when they do the gummies, well, they just showed up. So um, here they are. <laughs> I love that. Them? Yeah. And if you do the the red ones, are the, are the more potent ones, they're the ones that are Delta 8. So I suggest if you do take those, start out with a half of one and see how it works for you. But so far, I've had only good feedback from it. And Katie is saying the-, the I may give Ike one to see if I can- calming down a little bit sometimes we get a little ramped up maybe i'll try that on ike <laughs> uh katie's saying the other two will be available in the next couple of or at the end of this week um shout out to the oh, new wonderful. the brand new dr rogers uh, cbd uh gummies uh thank you for thank you for that uh we're gonna get um thank you thank you katie the other two thank you david yeah yeah no kidding that's awesome that's awesome thank you for uh for mentioning that let's get to let's see here where am i at um let's get to jordan's question um jordan is asking what do you know about partially empty cell syndrome how can that affect your hormones i have low testosterone as well as pcos I got more labs today and i'm interested to see what they say and i uh, think Let's see here. And I'm, I'm just going to add this from Jordan as well as a little bit of a follow-up. Uh, would empty cell cause weight gain? Advice on how to lose weight with empty cell. Also, oh, cool. She's, you're going to see Jordan on Wednesday or next Wednesday. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, put, that's where your pituitary is not functioning right. You know, you don't really have a pituitary tumor in there. You just don't have the, the whole pituitary. The pituitary is the kind of the master gland, the part of your brain that sends signals out to make your hormones as well as some other things. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you can get some extreme hormone deprivation. It can certainly cause uh, a lot of other problems like weight gain and, and things. It can, you know, you can be deficient with, of your growth hormone, your estrogen, progesterone, thyroid, 
adrenals, you know, the signal for cortisol. So, yeah, that's something that needs, you've obviously probably had an MRI of your brain and that's what, that's what it showed. Um, so, you know, if you, when you do come see me, bring any, any MRI reports or any other doctors you've seen and let me look at that and then we'll see. It's just really a matter of replacing, uh, your hormones. Uh, usually when I see PCOS, I see, uh, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, not really related to empty cell, but um, it's usually a high testosterone level and a lot of insulin resistance, but weight gain as well. I mean, you could have both. Um, but yeah, Brent, we'll see what all the labs show and we'll start you out and we'll try to, you know, replace those hormones and get you feeling better because, you know, that when you're not, when you don't have the signal to make the hormones, you know, you're going to have thyroid problems, you're going to have cortisol problems. You're going to have all the, the sex hormone problems. So yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see, but if you have any information you've already gotten, bring it in with you that way, I'll, I'll know more what's going on maybe including your MRI report, but uh, I look forward to seeing you. Hope I can help you. I'll try. Um, any, any quick advice on uh, weight gain with uh, uh, or losing weight with empty cell? Um, anything that you've, yeah. Um, well, we'll look and see what, you know, see how insulin resistant you are, you know, insulin gets tied up in this factor as well. Thyroid, insulin, cortisol, which all affect your metabolism. So, you know, we'll come up with some strategies. Um, but you, you need, you really need your hormones replaced and, uh, it'll be, it'll be fun to kind of help you along. I uh, will we'll see. Jordan, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you so much for that question. And uh, pumped to see you uh, next Wednesday. Um, all right, let's get to, let's see. Uh, Lisa, we love you. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, we think you're the best. Thank you for hanging out with us. Um, thank you. Uh, Cole Miner's daughter, I see your comment. Thank you so much. It's super kind. I'll make sure uh, Doc sees that. Um, let's, get to, let's get to Lisa's question. Um, does Contrave help lose a substantial amount of weight quickly, or is it a slow process? Is it a healthy way to lose weight? I love this question. Yeah, I mean, it's just an aid to help you lose weight. It's a combination of phenamine and Wellbutrin, I think, or LDN and Wellbutrin. Um, I, have to make, I have to make sure on that. But, yeah, I mean, we've used it. Um, we don't use a ton of it. Um, it's definitely a lot slower than something like Ozempic, um, but I'm not against it at all. I think it's a good, a good little way to get going on it. Um, and the, the doses are low enough to where you can actually use it as a maintenance mess and help you keep weight off. So but it's going to be definitely slower than something like Ozempic, but, um, yeah, see how it's working for you. And always remember you probably need, need to eat less carbs and maybe do some intermittent fasting, but, um, yeah. And there's some different dosage guidelines on that. Some of the compounders will, will compound that in different doses than the, the, the one bad thing about Contrave is if you use the brand name, it can be kind of expensive, but, uh, yeah. Um, good luck on that. It, it, it works, but it may be slower, which I'm not against if you're patient, but overall it is a healthy way to lose weight. It's yeah. As long as you're changing your habits, okay. it's a good, it's a good help to lose weight. And most people that I meet 
really need some metabolic help with this thing. I mean, it's not a matter of willpower. It's a metabolic problem that you need help for and probably medications, at least to start out. Um, you know, when you have a weight problem, it's, it's not a personality defect or anything like that. It's a metabolic, it's a metabolism problem. So, and, and people need help with that, including medications. Medications for weight loss are vastly underused by doctors. Hmm. Uh, thank you for that question. Put that in the quote, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good quote for LinkedIn. I, I think that is actually. I, I'm actually, uh, we're going to write that write down. Write that down. <laughs> write that down. Let's Put get that to, on LinkedIn. Let's get, I just thought of it, but it's true. <laughs> let's get to Trevor's question. Uh, Trevor asks, uh, can you share your thoughts on daily doses of natokinase 2000 FU and serapeptase for 40,000 SPU and what are potential benefits and side effects? What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, natokinase is really good. I put somebody on that today as a blood thinner. Um, it's just kind of a natural blood thinner. Serapeptase works in a little different way. Um, you know, I'm, I'm good with that one too. I probably use more natokinase. There's also one called lumbrokinase that that works that, that works pretty well too. Probably it's a little cleaner than natokinase for a blood thinner. So for people that can't use aspirin, um, you know, that's usually what I put them on um, to kind of thin the blood a little bit, um, especially you know, treating viruses and things like that that could potentially cause blood clotting issues um, or people that just, you know, reach a certain age, have a bunch of risk factors, metabolic syndrome, and they can't, um, you know, they can't take aspirin. Uh, and serapeptase, I think, has a lot of ben other benefits for um, metabolic syndrome patients as well. Um, I'm not sure about that dose. It seems about right, though. But uh, do your research on that and, and see why you want to take it, you know, unless you need it, you know, I don't rec recommend uh, a lot of that unless there's a pretty clear-cut reason on, you know, why you may need it. Mm. Uh, a lot of it depends on your metabolic uh, uh, system and your weight and your risk factors for um, metabolic syndrome and blood clotting. Mm. I hope that helps. Um, uh, Trevor, thank you for that question. Um, let's get to Carol's question. Um, besides how it is taken, what is the difference between Ozempic and Ribelsis? Is one more effective than the other? That's a great question. Um, of course, they're made by the same company. They're the same drug. They're both semiglutide. Um, and Ozempic's a shot, a once-a-week shot. Ribelsis is a daily pill form. So... I've had more luck with weight loss with uh, Ozempic. I think it's a little stronger and it's certainly much easier to administer once a week in a tiniest, you do it yourself, uh, shot, subcutaneous. Rebelsis, the thing about Rebelsis is that um, you take it every day and you have to take it on an empty stomach with just four ounces of water. You don't need to be eating anything for an hour after you take it. 
um, because the peel actually sticks to it sticks to your stomach. That's how it kind of works. It binds to your stomach. It's odd because what I found out was they sample it in three milligram where you start, and then there's a seven milligram and there's a fourteen milligram. Most people end up on a seven, maybe a fourteen. Three is just a starter dose because they can both cause nausea. They both work in four different ways. They delay gastric emptying, so you're not going to be hungry. Therefore, the the uh, nausea uh, comes into play a lot on both of them. Two, it decreases the output of glucagon, the storage form of sugar from your liver. Three, it hits your appetite control center, uh, so you won't be as hungry from the brain aspect of it. And four, it helps your insulin work better to put the sugar from your blood into your cells for energy. So, but the thing about rebelsis, the odd thing is that I found out was that sometimes I would tell them to go, you know, if they're tolerating the three milligram rebelsis, just to take two of them. But that it's weird because <laughs> you can't do that. It, it just negates the effect of the first one because it'll knock the first one from attaching to your stomach. So it's really a weird kind of mechanism that it works. So I, I prefer the Ozempic. I had a patient today that had done just fine on rebelsis. A lot of times it's a question of um, will your which one will your insurance pay for? So a lot of times, like on Medicare, they'll a lot of times cover rebelsis, but not Ozempic. Uh, so my favorite's Ozempic uh, over rebelsis, even though they're the same uh, medicine. One's an injection, one's a, a pill. So that's really you just interesting. Have to be really specific on how you take the pill. Uh, yeah, it really is kind of kind of funny the way it works. That is fascinating. Um, I had no idea that's what the difference was. Yeah, yeah, that's the way. So you take if you took one rebelsis pill, it sticks to your <laughs> to your stomach lining or gut lining, and then you take the other one, you'll knock the, you'll knock the, the first pill off with that second dose of water you give. So it's, you can't do that. When you move up, you have to move to the, to the seven milligram pill. So two threes negates everything. You got to go straight to the seven. They don't sample the seven. So that's, you know, so you write a prescription for it and hope that it's covered. But um, my preference is Ozempic shot once a week. I love that. That's a great. That's a great question. Uh, thank you for really good. Uh, for teeing that up, Carol. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, we got to Nancy's question. Um, I I've had a cough and wheezing for months. I've tried everything to eliminate the cough, but nothing is working. After having allergy testing, they put me on Trelogy, which doesn't seem to be working since I'm still coughing and wheezing. Uh, coughing happens all day, night, and disrupting my sleep. Any advice? What's your thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, you know, you got to rule out reflux, GERD. I mean, it certainly could be allergies and chronic sinus drainage. Could be asthma, um, you know, but it could be GERD as well. So you might even try just taking some Prilosec over the counter and see if that clears it. There's other medications that can cause a chronic cough like lisinopril, the most popular blood pressure medicine out there because it's cheap. I don't tend to like lisinopril too much. There's better versions now. 
I think probably a third of people I've put on lisinopril have coughed with it. So hopefully you're not on that. But make sure you test your stomach out. I'm trying to remember. Um, gosh, I had a patient last week that, that had a similar situation. And gosh, I forget what they did that virtually cured it overnight. It was something really odd, and it wasn't uh, GERD. Um, I'll have to try to think of that patient and get back with you on that, but it was really unusual uh, remedy for that. I really wish I could remember that. He just told me this on the side on his way out, and um, I was thinking it was actually a supplement. Um, but I'll try to try to get back with you on that um but look at you always look at your stomach and see how that's doing if you if you take you know the inhaler the trilogy and it's not working it may not be asthma um you know so it's really interesting uh, i'm sure they've done a chest x-ray you need that done for sure um it seems that nancy doesn't have heartburn and does is not on lisinopril um, what we'll do, we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll, something will, yeah. will ring, uh, you, you don't have to have heartburn to have GERD. Okay. A lot of times it's silent. You know, you, you definitely don't have to have heartburn to have reflux. So it's definitely worth a try. Take a week's worth of Prilosec once or twice a day and see if it helps it. If it does, that's what it was. Hmm. That's um, interesting. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm going to great question. I, I see that a lot. I don't, I don't know if you've had a, a respiratory illness either recently to set this off. That could be, um, it could be bronchospasm from that. Um, well, uh, so. great question. Uh, thank you for that question, Nancy. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm going to put this up uh, just from Jordan, uh, just to see if this, um, yes, I've had an MRI on empty set. didn't show up on that. Well, sorry, I'm going to show terrible migraines. Um, all right. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Jordan, I think, uh, there's a couple autocorrects. Apparently I do all, I do this all the time, Jordan. So, uh, so don't feel bad. <laughs> uh, did yeah. empty thank cell you. did show up on my MRI. So empty cell, empty cell okay. did show up, not didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. Empty cell did okay. show up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, uh, Jordan. Thank you for that. Um, that might be that might be it for this week, which is uh, really perfect timing, uh, guys. We really hope those uh, this Q and A helped you guys. Uh, like we said uh, at the start of the show, we do this every single Tuesday at seven. Uh, this is the Performance Medicine Show with Dr. Rogers. This is where we answer your health and uh, wellness question. Actually, it's with Dr. Rogers and Dr. Ike at the end. Um, you know. <laughs> All right, I gotta roll. Good night, man. All right, Thank see you guys. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.